Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. Hey, my name's Steve. If we've never met before, um, hi. It, it's good to meet you. Thanks for coming out and hanging out with us this morning. Now, I don't know about you and what your Easter traditions are or what comes to mind when you think of Easter. Um, maybe for some of you, when you were growing up, it was Easter egg hunts, right? And the eggs were scattered and you'd run around and maybe you decorate them and then you'd find them. And if you were lucky, maybe there was like a nickel inside one of the plastic ones. And if you collected a lot of them, you could buy like a gumball or something. Um, for some of you, I can see it right now, um, it's, it's new clothes, right? It's your Easter best. Some of you, I mean, you clean up really nice. You look so dapper, so fresh and so clean, clean. I mean, look at you. Like... It's great. You're styling. And and no doubt, right, you're here this morning. So probably um, church attendance is probably part of your Easter tradition. I think that's a safe assumption. But for me, when I think of Easter traditions, I think of battle peeps. Now, are you familiar with peeps, the the marshmallowy candy thing? I don't even know. what is it a candy? Whatever. Snack? treat? I don't know, whatever it is. But here's how battle peeps work. Um, you get two peeps, one, uh, you know, different colors, and you, you put toothpicks inside them. Then you put them in the microwave and you turn that baby on. And what happens to peeps is they start, they blow up, they morph and they have toothpicks. And the peep that stabs the other one with the toothpick is the winner. So yeah, it's fantastic. Now the cards on your chairs, those aren't for message notes, although you can you can use them for that, certainly. Um, Therefore, this right now for battle peeps. So we've got two different color peeps. Um, one is yellow and the other one is blue. So the card that's on your chair, that doesn't have to be yours. You can beg, bar, barter, and steal from other people. Just figure out what color team you're going to root for. There's a yellow one and there's a blue one, right? So this will come in. I'll give you like three seconds to go and figure out what your, your card is. All right, does everybody have a card? You need a card. You got to play. Okay. Uh, how many of you team yellow? Saw, that's awesome. I saw a blue card in the back. <laughs> next, next week we'll work on shapes and numbers. It'll be great. Come back then. Um, how many of you team blue? Okay. We're about 50, 50. I think it was a little heavier on the blue. So, um, okay. No cheating, no flip-flopping, no going back. Okay. Turn your attention to the screen. Here we go. Let's pray and go home. Father God. Just kidding. Now, I, I can see some of you already like, oh man, we got to go buy some peeps for the grandkids. I'm like, let's go. Hopefully I've just enriched your Easter traditions. <laughs> now, wherever you are, if you're a fan of battle peeps or you think that was the biggest waste of time, I mean, whatever it is, on Easter, it's not Easter morning without celebrating the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Are you with me? Now, this is a really big deal. Um, it's incredibly important. And we are joining right now millions, dare I say billions of people scattered around the world worshiping Jesus because of this event. I mean, this is incredible. This is really, really cool. And if you joined us last week, this sermon right now is actually part two of last week's sermon. And we ended it with a couple questions. So I, I want to walk us through the questions just to get us all on the same page. So we ended it by asking this question. Is the cross important for us today? Like today is, today's Sunday, tomorrow is 
is Monday. Does the cross matter on Monday? Does the resurrection matter on Monday? You know, like when you wake up in the morning and then you go to bed at night, everything in between, like what does that matter? Because some of us, look, you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to go to work. And how does the death and resurrection of Jesus impact that? Some of you, your kids are on spring break and you're like, dear Jesus, help me figure out what to do with my kids for a week, right? They're out of school. What does the cross and resurrection have to do with that? It's a great question because again, what we're celebrating happened roughly, you know, over 2000 years ago. So there's big implications, but what about today, right? So here's another question. Uh, What does the resurrection mean for my life? I understand for like the church and kind of the world. And if you're into, you know, that whole thing, but what, what about my specific detailed life in your marriage? in your relationship with grandkids, with you and your co-workers. I mean, down to the nitty-gritty details, right? And then here's the last one. How is this good news for us here and now? We're really asking the same question in all three of these. Is like, what, what's the point? Is it just something that happened 2,000 years ago? Or is it relevant for us today? And this is a huge question, and the implications for this are massive. And so we're, we're going to look into it. We're going to figure it out. Um, and if you have a Bible, go to the, the Gospel of Mark. It's in your New Testament. You've got Matthew and Mark. It's the second one in there. Flip all the way to the back. Go to Mark 16. We'll pick it up in verse 1. But um, I, I want to set the scene for us because Jesus walks into Jerusalem. We celebrate this on Palm Sunday. He walks in there and the crowd is with him. And they're excited. And they're hopeful. And they think Jesus is going to walk in like a king, right? Like the king of the Jews. And he's going to overthrow Rome. And the Jews are going to be free. They're going to be able to worship God freely. They're not going to be oppressed by Rome. Jesus is going to fix everything that is wrong. He's going to make it right. Everything that is broken is going to get fixed. This upside down kingdom, Jesus is going to make it right side up. And they are ecstatic as they should be, right? And so, spoiler alert, fast forward to Good Friday, Jesus dies, And the whole Jesus movement dies with him. If you remember, as you read your Gospels, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, and I will rise again. And they don't get it. They don't get it. He tells them over and over, and they don't get it. I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. And they're like, I don't don't understand. So sure enough, what happens? Jesus goes into Jerusalem, he dies. And have you ever been so sure of something? Like you would stake your life on it. You've been so sure. And you're like, absolutely, this, 100%, I am all in. And then that thing you were sure of was wrong. Now imagine, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples, of all of Jesus' friends and followers. I mean, they left their families. They left their jobs to follow this man. And he claims to be the Messiah. And he's going to usher in a new kingdom, God's kingdom. And he's He dies. And all their hope dies with him. Because how, how can you be a new king? How can you be a leader if you're dead? You, you can't. And so we're going to read in a moment what I think, well, really what, what all of us are trying to figure out, if that was our story, if we were in there in the first century, is what do you do when your hopes, your dreams, your desires, everything that you are so fixated on gets broken? What do you, what do you feel in that moment? Have you lost faith? And what do you do? So this is where we find ourselves in this story. So Mark chapter 16, we'll pick it up in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint or cover Jesus' body. 
Very early, the first day of the week, Sunday, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were, what's that word? What's that word? And we would be too. Because, get it, they bought spices. They're going to anoint the body. They're going to cover the body, right? This is a sign of honor. This is a sign of respect. Now, they weren't in Egypt, right? So they didn't mummify the bodies. But you bring spices, as was their custom, to show honor and respect. But also because bodies tend to smell after a while, especially if they're dead. Are you with me? So they're walking and they're working through the logistics. Who's going to roll the stone away? Somebody has to. It's a large stone. And poof, the stone is rolled away. Now, what goes through your mind? <gasps> what happened? So they do. They peek in. And they, they don't see the body of Jesus. Oh, no. Someone has taken the body of Jesus. Yet, there's a guy dressed in white, like beaming. And they're terrified. Because we would be too. Who took the body? Why is that person there? Who rolled the stone? How did the stone get rolled? What am I supposed to do with these spices? Should I tell somebody? Should I keep hush? Like you, you're flooded with all of these thoughts, right? And they are too. And then wisely, here's what the angel says in verse 6. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> you ever notice this? Like Jesus or an angel will show up and people are terrified. And, and automatically the next phrase is, don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed. Why? Because it's creepy. Some of you pray to hear a voice from God. I don't know. I don't want that. I would make the text come alive. I, that would terrify me. I mean, picture, like, this is, this is real. This isn't some children's book. This is real with real human beings. He said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. And get this. Who was crucified. He has risen. And then I think four of the most beautiful words in the New Testament. He is not here. In fact, why don't we say that all together? Ready? He is not here. Listen, listen. The angel says, look, he he died. Resurrection. He's gone. He is not in this place of death. He's no longer here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's it. Mark's gospel ends right there. He doesn't wrap it up in a nice little bow. Uh, He doesn't answer all of the questions that we have. He just leaves it there. As if to ask the readers, the first century audience, to ask us, what would you do? How, how would you leave that interaction? Would you be terrified? Do you believe the second half? See, he was crucified, but he rose. He's no longer here. What, what would you do? Now, fast forward, we kind of know the ending of that story, don't we? We know how this, this thing unplays. In fact, the other gospels fill in the gaps a little bit. And in your Bible, you may have already seen it, but there's a little footnote in there that says, hey, later on, people added to this. The scribes and some of the copyists, they got together and said, okay, it's a bit of a cliffhanger, so we're going to tie up some of the loose ends here. But Mark, I love how he ends it. He's simply saying, hey, what would you do? What, What do you think happened? Because, because, if he just died, then that's pretty much it. 
If he just died, he, at best, he's a good teacher, not a great teacher. Because listen, listen, um, loving your enemies is not great advice. That's what gets you killed. Are you with me? If you love your enemy, they will destroy you. That's why they're your enemy. But if the leader who tells you this has died and resurrected, you and I don't have to fear death, do we? Do you see the implications here? See, if, if Jesus just, just died, then you go, hey, thanks for the teachings. I, you know, I'm going to try really hard to put some of that stuff in the practice. Um, good stuff. But if he's alive, see, this changes everything. And, and if he's alive, what do we do with that? Like, what does that mean? Practically, on our Monday morning, as we wake up and figure out what to do with our kiddos, or as we scurry off to work. See, if he's alive, it's a game changer. So I want to be extremely practical with, with the short amount of time that we have here this morning. So in your notes, you can use that piece of paper, you can pull up your phone or, or whatever it is that you have. But I want you to write this thing down. Um, if, so Jesus' death and resurrection, if he is in fact alive, here's what this has accomplished. Number one, um, Christ took on all the sin of humanity, all of it. He took on all the sin of humanity. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, everybody, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Christ took on the sin of humanity. Past, things you've done in your past. How many of you have a past real quick? Just curious. Eight of us. Awesome. (laughs) We'll leave that be. See, he he took the past, the present, and the sin that you and I are probably going to choose to do this week. He took all of that. And anywhere there is sin, in the shadows of sin is death. And so Jesus took the sin. He took death. He died on the cross. Eliminating, listen, eliminating the power of sin. So that, keep writing in, in point number one, sin is no longer our master. I am not a slave to sin. But see, if, if Jesus hasn't resurrected... And if he is still dead, then I am, in fact, still slaved to sin. But I, I have placed my faith, my trust in Jesus, his death and his resurrection, his work on the cross. So sin is no longer my master. Because it died, the power of it has died with Jesus. Friends, friends, don't miss this. This is really good news. Because if, I, if you and I, if we now have a new Lord, we, Jesus is our master. And we are servants of Jesus. And listen, listen, if we're no longer slaves, that means we have freedom. And with freedom comes choice. So literally, we, we are not enslaved to the power of sin where we have no choice. Friends, you and I, this is really good news. This is why I'm a follower of Jesus. We have a choice to sin. This changes Everything. This is so much better than just heaven when you die. I'm extremely grateful. I want to see all of you there. It's going to be a party. I know it. It's going to be awesome. But the fact that you and I, we now have a choice to go and do the sin. Sin doesn't rule over us. I have a new Savior. I have a new Lord. That now means that that is a choice, and I don't have to choose it. Friends, this is really, really good news. Someone should share. In fact, people should gather around the world one Sunday a year and celebrate just that. Number two, here's what this means. Number one, uh, sorry, number two, Christ is alive. And if Christ is alive, I am now alive in Christ. Yeah. 
Something awesome happens when you, as a human being, put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. The power that lives in Christ that resurrected him from the dead, the Holy Spirit, you and I now have that power. We have received the Holy Spirit. That's really good news. That means that sin, that temptation that we keep running back to, that we keep choosing, we... But listen, we couldn't get over it in our own power. But guess what? We're not operating under our own power. We have our own power, which is halfway decent at best, mixed with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is really good news. And I'm no longer a slave to sin, which means I have a choice and I can make the right choice. And the Holy Spirit can give me the encouragement, the strength, the know-how, the boldness to keep on making the right choice. I don't have to go back to that. This is really good. This is, do, you see, do you see how the gospel and what we're doing on Sunday is so much better than celebrating something that happened 2,000 years ago? This is incredible. This is incredible. Okay, last thing, number three. What is true of Christ is now true of me. What's true of Christ is now true of me. Listen, this is what baptism is. Do, do you see the picture? We, we are living our old life. We're living our lives. And when we go under the water, we are dying to this old self, to the power of sin. And we are being brought up. We are resurrecting in Christ to this new life. What has happened to Christ has happened to me. I have died to this old self. I now have this new self. Sin is not my master. Jesus is now my master, who is the most kind, loving, gentle human being ever. Do do you see this? Jesus, God so loved the world that he sends his son. And Jesus does all of this for you and I. This is so much bigger than just heaven when we die. Friends, you and I, we're no longer slaves to sin. We are. Well, we're made new. We have a new life. We are a new creation. It means we're free. We don't have to go back. But, But we do sometimes, don't we? We fall back into the old thinking a little bit. And here, I, I wrote down some stuff. Maybe some of these will resonate with you a little bit. But here's kind of the old way of thinking. We say things like, um, how about this one? It's just the way I am. That's an old train of thought in this old life. This one, uh, everybody does this. They say that. They look at that. I mean, everybody does it, right? Um, it's not that big of a deal. Well, my mom and dad had the same issue, so you know, I, I'm going to struggle with it too. It, it's just what men do. It's just how women think and behave. And if, if you're a Christian, like, you know, and you grew up in the church like I did, um, you get really good at biblical gymnastics. You know, well, that's not really what Jesus meant. You know what I mean? Well, if you look in the Greek and you attach it to this hyperbole over here and you blah, 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 blah. It actually, he didn't really mean that. It, you know, we're freeing Christ, so therefore I can do this. See, this, this, this old way of thinking, this new way of thinking is way better because anytime you're enticed by something, anytime you, you have this temptation that's calling after you and sin is trying to get its way with you, you simply acknowledge it. You say, no, I'm alive in Christ. I'm not a slave to sin. And you say, well, that, that's sin trying to lure me into death. That's sin trying to control my marriage and wreck it. That's sin trying to make me screw up as I raise my kids. That's sin trying to take over my life again. I've been set free from this. Friends, this is good. News. This is why, by the way, this is why... Well, let me say it this way. Uh, if, if you're one of those people that only shows up on Christ, Christmas and Easter, man, I'm so excited that you're here, truthfully. Like, thank you so much. But we think this is good news that we're going to go ahead and do this next week and the week after and the following week. And I just want to invite you to come join us because we have a lot to learn 
in the scriptures and a lot to apply to our life. I mean, there's a lot of information out there and the ramifications of the gospel is massive. But if you're skeptical, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, after all, the Jesus story begins with, with Christmas with a virgin birth. And I, I took a health class in sixth grade like many of you did. And I know how babies work. So it starts with that. And then we fast forward and we say that this man lived a sinless life. And then he died, but he conquered death. He resurrected. I, I understand if it is difficult, if you have doubts, if it is a hard truth to grasp. I, I get that. I myself have wrestled with that. But while you may be wrestling, I don't know if this is true. I want to ask a different question. Um, why wouldn't you want it to be true? Because if Jesus did resurrect, and if this is in fact true, don't you think you owe it to yourself to investigate it and find out? I mean, honestly, have you found a better solution to the problem of sin in your life? I haven't. I haven't been able to conquer this thing on my own. And I think, I think if you're a rational person, you'd agree. That I think you owe it to yourself. Dare I say, I think you owe it to the loved ones around you. Because anytime there's sin and the shadow is death and you could be destroying your marriage, you could be killing your relationship with your kids because of the sin that, is, that has power over you. And you need not be enslaved to that. That's the freedom. That's the good news that, that Jesus brings. Now, I'm a pastor. It's Easter. I'm supposed to say this stuff. It's what I do. That's one thing for me to come up here and, and share really the new life that I have in Jesus. It's this old thing. It wasn't working. It was terrible. I've been enslaved to it. I put my faith in Jesus. I get heaven when I die. Hallelujah. But I, man, I also get freed from the power of sin today. That's amazing. But I, I want you to hear someone else's story, someone else's experience with the new life that they have found in Jesus. So um, sit back. We're, we're going to move the TV and, and kind of get settled in here. This video is six minutes long, and it's from, it's from one of our own. Um, it's, it's Amber's story. And, and I'm telling you, it is a phenomenal example of what we've been talking about, of this old life. That thing dying and having this new life in Christ. So sit back, relax, and turn your attention to the screens. I, I want to give us all an opportunity um, to experience what Amber experienced, to really go from a dead life into a new life. And what a cool opportunity. And so I, I'm simply going to lead you in a prayer. And, and the words are not nearly as important as the, the posture and the surrender of your heart to God. And so um, I'm going to ask, would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And those of you streaming online as well, would, would you enter into the moment with us? And listen, some of us, we have grown up in the church. We know the story and, and we've put our faith into it, but, but we haven't experienced this new life. We're just hoping for heaven when we die. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's better than that. It's bigger than that. So whether this is your first time praying this prayer or you feel like you've known the story, but you have never entered into the reality of the story, I, 
I want to ask that you would pray this prayer. And you can say it in your mind or you can whisper the words. But again, it is about the posture and the surrender of our heart. And so God, we as a church and individuals, we come before you. And God, I do not know all that it means to have new life in you, but I know that I want it and I'm done with the old one. It hasn't worked. And so today, on Easter Sunday, I'm placing my faith, I'm placing my trust in your son Jesus and his death and resurrection on the cross. And God, I have a lot to learn and I have a ton of questions. And like I trust in the work of Jesus on the cross, I'm also gonna trust that you will speak to me, you will guide me, and you will surround me with good people from this church to walk with me and help me learn what it means to follow Jesus. So today, God, I'm trusting you. And I am so excited for the new life I have in Jesus so I can get rid of this old thing. And as individuals for the very first time and as a church community, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. So it's Easter and we talk about traditions. And one that I hope we will do a lot here is, uh, well, you've actually, you may have seen it as you were walking in. Uh, We have a window, a black frame and a window over there. And you may have seen people's signatures on there. And what we're doing, if you prayed that prayer for the first time and you gave Jesus, you put your faith in him. You're trusting in him and his work on the cross. I'm going to ask that you would meet me out there at that window. I'm going to give you a pen and you can sign your name on it. I'm also going to hand you a Bible and a little piece of paper on top that says next steps because you need the scriptures and you need to know what your next steps are as you're growing in this relationship with Jesus. That's it. I'm not going to ask all your personal information. I'm not going to pull you into a back room. We're not going to have you drink the Kool-Aid, like nothing, okay? I don't want to know your deepest, darkest sin. No, thank you. What I do want to do I want to celebrate with you. The scriptures say that anytime someone comes and puts their faith in God, that there's a party going on in heaven. And if there's a party up there, we want to have a party down here. We are a church, listen, we are a church that celebrates new life. Please don't don't be, be shy or insecure or shameful and going, well, I should have done this a long time ago, but here I am now. No, 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 no. Don't, don't get twisted. Don't get caught up in that. We are a church that celebrates new life and we want to celebrate with you. We've all been there. We all have this dark, dark old self thing. And we thank you, Jesus, it's gone. Some of us, we've just been a little, we're a little further along on this journey, but we've all been at the starting point. I get it. And we simply want to celebrate with you. So we're going to close like we always do. Would you stand up? We're going to sing a song because Jesus is so worthy of our worship. And then I'm going to dismiss us. And I would love to see you in the back over there. Let's stand. Come on. Let's sing.